It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the program. With me in the KFG studios, my business partners and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Yeah, 2022 was a challenging year for investors. Uh, it was the worst year in the market since 2008 and the worst year on record in the bond index. As the saying goes, it was the worst of times. It was the worst of times. Yeah. <laughs> and are we likely to see a smoother ride in 2023? And uh, are we going to see the markets remain choppy? What action should you take in your investments and your financial plan today? Should you buy gold? Ooh, that's that a question. Is... Question from uh, from a fan of the show that we're going to hit in the second half of the program. And uh, all right, so we're unpacking the market and what's ahead for for this year. I'm going to see if I can get a forecast out of these guys too for you, uh, just just for you. Good so. luck. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a question for the program, we'd love to hear from you. If you need any help, second opinion, all those sorts of things, we're here to help. Call or text five seven four two 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 thousand. That's five seven four. 222-2000, onlinewisemoneyshow.com, and then all over social media. It's where most engagement comes from on the YouTube channel or wherever you're at. We are there as well. Search The Wise Money Show. Kevin said, challenging year in the markets. Now, listen, it's it's tricky because the worst year in the market since 08. Well, listen, 08 was pretty epic, like terrible, okay? Mm-hmm. And last year was bad, but it didn't quite even get to average of a bad year. Right. right. When you look at averaging the market, it on average, it's good up eight, 10 percent, depending when you're looking. But on a negative year, we didn't even hit average for a negative year. The market was down it, total return about 18 percent. Just looking at the price action, 19 and change. Worst year in the in the bond market since the index was started. So let's talk a little bit about the returns last year and then we'll. We'll add some context to it and then kind of what drove those returns. Yeah, you know, when we think about how did the stock market do, our minds go to the S&P 500, yeah. right? That's uh, the 500 largest companies here in the U.S., and they make up the lion's share of the value of the overall stock market. There are thousands of companies trading out in the stock markets and everything, but the the top 500 represent most of, of the value. And uh, so we, we track that on a regular basis. And, um, you know, as, as Mike was alluding to, it was a down. If you look at the total return of the stock market, which means how far did it fall, but then add back any dividends that it also earned, you're looking at a negative 18% for the U.S. stock market. And uh, the, the strange thing, though, is most people don't, they actually don't think of the S&P 500 when they're thinking of U.S. stocks. They think of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. This is one of the biggest gaps that we've seen between the Dow's performance and the S&P 500 per- performance. And that is very, very interesting. That could be an entire show in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Usually they run pretty pretty close to each other. And this past year, the Dow was down 7%. Right. So it's confusing because if you're paying attention to the media and they're constantly talking about the Dow Jones Industrial Average and and you see that it's down 7%, well, that doesn't sound too bad. Right. You know, it felt like an awful year, just 
listening to the media and maybe your own life, you felt some changes in, in your own personal economics and everything, but to be down 7% doesn't seem all that bad. Keep in mind, though, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is only tracking 30 companies. 30 companies, and embedded within it, there's some energy companies, which actually had a, I mean, if there was one bright spot last year, it was energy, and mm-hmm. the second maybe bright spot but it was still negative was value companies. And that's one of the interesting things. If you, if you, the show, the wise money show is a show about financial planning and how you need to look at all six areas of your financial life in order to make wise financial decisions, whether you should invest uh, in, in this or that fund a Roth or pre-tax retire at a certain time, draw social security a certain time, all those decisions you've got to make in the context of your financial plan. Of those six areas, investment planning is just one area. But if you're a geek like us and you you really look at those areas uh, or look intently at the investment world, growth investments were the place to be for a decade and certainly right. coming out of, of COVID. They were so hot. It was we almost got to the, well, you're a fool if you don't invest in these things. Right. And the story of 2022 was the exact opposite. That's exactly right. You know, think about technology companies or fast growing companies where maybe they've got profits, but they're plowing those profits back into the company, buying up other competitors, that sort of thing, launching new innovative products and, and whatnot. That approach, focusing on those companies, as Mike said, that's been the place to be for a long time. But you look at the NASDAQ, for example, which tends to be you know, overpopulated with those types of, of yeah. companies, down almost by a third last year. Yeah. So you can go from feeling wonderful about your, your technology-type companies, and then all of a sudden it can move in the, the opposite direction in a hurry. And it, it just kind of underscores the fact that even though we're talking about certain segments of the investment world right now, we're still believers in the fact that you should not bet the farm on any one of those yeah. areas continuing to be the same bright spot that it was for, for prior years. Typically, you have uh, that diversification, not betting you know, everything in one area, that diversification. Um, you know, at least at KFG, one of our big uh, beliefs, because we've seen it, is when you need diversification the, no- the most, it sort of fails you. <laughs> everything when everything's going down and you just want a bright spot something to do well everything tends to go down at the same time and sadly that was the case this past year for bonds as well yeah. bonds are supposed to be your safe steady predictable investments but they move in relationship to interest rates interest rates move in relationship to inflation and uh manipulation i think is what they're calling it these days yeah uh, fed <laughs> manipulation and so Last year, because the Federal Reserve was starting their rate hike, even though just I'm just going to take you back, even though Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell in summer, fall of 2020, 21 said that we're not even thinking about thinking about raising interest rates. We won't even consider it until after 2023. They increased interest rates significantly in 2022. And as rates go up, bond values go down. It's the worst year in the bond market since the index started in the 70s. And when you look at the actual performance of bonds sort of in general, it's the worst year in the bond market since the ratification of the Constitution. Unbelievable. Right. And so I'm going to ask the guys in a little bit if, if they think we've seen the worst of it with bonds and interest rates and all that. So really, there was no place to hide right. last year. International markets 
perform poorly as well. Mm-hmm. A little bit of additional context. When you look at volatility, so you might say, oh, so so this that was an awful year in the markets. Well, the low point was down about 27% in October. Um, that puts it about average, uh, almost average for bear markets. If we see a recession, if it's connected to a recession, then the average drop gets over 35%. So we didn't even get to average. Um, But when you look at overall volatility, you might say, well, gosh, that seems pretty extreme. When you look at the VIX, the volatility index, it did nothing. It was mild last year. It's it's pretty much sleeping right now. But when you look at the number of days that the market advanced or declined 1%, it was worst four. <laughs> so had the most increases or decreases of 1% in one day than, uh, than, than most years since the Great Depression. So guys, what drove all of this? What, what were some of the themes that were pushing this? I know we mentioned a couple already. Well, you go back to this time last year, and what were we talking about? It was the concern that the Fed was behind schedule on dealing with inflation. They had been either living in denial or at least acting like they were in denial on Ah, on whether inflation truly was taking hold and whether or not they needed to start doing battle there. And the way they do battle with that is primarily by raising interest rates. They're trying to cool off demand in the economy. And when, when consumers can borrow money really, really inexpensively, low interest rates to buy a house, to buy a car, to buy other big ticket items, we do, right? Yeah. We, if it's a low cost of getting your hands on, on some money, people will borrow it and spend, and that drives the economy. But the opposite can happen as well. When interest rates start climbing and you get mortgage rates up in the, in the levels that we're seeing right now, all of a sudden you're kind of thinking twice about, do we go upgrade our house? Do we move? Do we lock in a new mortgage when we already have one at 3%. Why would we more than double it by just swapping houses these days? So obviously the Fed's actions influence how hot or cold the economy gets, and that certainly drove the markets. We got there, there's you, You've got to connect a couple dots here to see what really drove the markets last year. We're still starting that. And then what should you do about it? What changes should you make? We've got that more coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. All right, what's ahead for the markets for 2023? I I guess here's the question. After a bad year in the markets, do we typically have another bad year? Or what's history tell us? So we're hitting all that and more. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content. Find us online, wisemoneyshow.com, and then on all of our social Media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. Search the Wise Money Show. Okay, so we're we're sort of dissecting what happened in the markets last year. And gosh, there's so many headlines, it's hard to pick which one. But really, what drove it and then what's ahead for 2023? Kevin, at the break, you were talking about what really happened in the bond market. And we're going to tie a couple things together here. But what were, you, what were you sharing? Well, so I've been doing this for almost 30 years. And you think, well, at 30 years in, I've pretty much seen everything. And 2022 was a year that I saw some things I'd never seen before. And so if you told me, when a lot of times when people think about bonds, they think safe, stable, predictable. Boring. Boring, yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a necessity, like I have to have <laughs> bonds in my portfolio, but I don't really like them and, and you know, 
it's it, but it's going to balance out my portfolio, kind of the ballast, uh, you know, or um, so when you look at that, you say, okay, well, I've got the bonds. And for some people, the worst part of their portfolio last year was their bonds. Yeah. And yeah. so when you look at statistics and you, and we talk about the, the long left tail, kind of what happened in 2008. In 2008, a 60-40 portfolio, um, we would expect really in the worst year, somewhere around down 12%, not worse than that, and it was down 20%. 20 And actually, so this past year, because both stocks and bonds did so poorly, the 60-40 portfolio was down 17%. So almost on rival with, with uh, on par with, with 08. Right. And it's, it's confusing because people think, well, I'm going to, my, and, and so why, why did bonds do so poorly? Well, interest rates um, kind of popped a wheelie. They stood on end and went almost straight up. When interest rates go up, bond prices go down. If you didn't sell your bonds, you, you didn't get hurt. Yeah. Right. If you're whole, if you're a buyer and a holder to mature, maturity, it's it's not a problem. So you're a maturity guy, not a maturity. Uh, I yeah, am a maturity guy. Was, I was surprised came, to hear. Yeah. That. I know that okay. did that okay. came out wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Didn't know that about you. No, I got I got to um, hit some mouthwash or something here. Um, so, but it's it, it's very surprising. And people that look here's the interesting thing to me. One of the most interesting things we we get to see all kinds of consumer behavior and what people are are tempted to do in response. And I'm not answering your question, Mike, but almost – so there is a June 30 low. There is a September 30 low. And to December 30, the market dropped meaningfully. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. And so what what happens is then people get their quarter-end statements and they look and they think, well, um, I've, I'm, I'm 50, so in theory I probably have 40 more years to invest – and I need to make my investment decisions based on what happened this past quarter. <laughs> and it's and so if you fell into that trap, and we had some people after they looked at their September statements said, I can't I can't take it anymore. And the to me the the problem is there's the siren song, the the calling of the short term treasury bond that 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 can or money market that'll pay it four or five percent. Yeah. So like, well, I'm going to do this. Well, guess what? That didn't pay them a fraction of what they would have made had they stayed the course. And that's just staying the course for one quarter. Mm. And so so this is where a, I, I see this. A lot of people get sucked in. Right now, it seems like a lot of people are getting sucked in. What people don't understand is in a bear market, there are... Um, you say, well, what's this rally going on? This is we finally turned the corner and we're gonna we're taking off. Um, probably not. It's probably short covering and some other things in a in a in a downward trend. So there are still ups in a downward trend, mm-hmm. and we're seeing those. Okay, so yeah. that that leads into okay, what's driving the markets and what's likely to drive the markets for the year ahead? Uh, you know, I I think it's still gonna be. Uh, the economic data and looking to see, well, how long is this recession going to last? How long you will You used the, the word. I did. Okay. I, I think we're, we're in a recession and the Fed at some point is going to start seeing enough data that says, boy, jobs are being lost. Um, 
you know, spending is slowing down, the economy itself is contracting, and we need to kind of stop um, pressing on the brakes here. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when, when they stop raising interest rates, I think that will be the cue to the markets that maybe the end is in sight and that the bear market, um, this decline that has been, as Kevin said, it's not like this perfectly smooth slide from a peak down to the, the valley. There are some confusing bounces in there. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes I think those create actually opportunities for investors and uh, something that we can kind of unpack here in a, in a few minutes. But it's confusing. Like nobody uh, gets gets a, an email in their inbox or a text message saying, okay, that was it. That was the yeah. bottom right there. And so this climbing that's happened, you can believe it. Um, no, like it, it's a it's a choppy, volatile road to the bottom. And then it's a surprise when things start climbing. And a lot of people don't believe it on the upside either. And that's pretty choppy as well. And, and so it's interesting because as there's been so much focus on the Fed, I do think that policy and inflation, which clocked in at 6.5%, for, for all of last year, 6.5%. And you might look and say, I, I think we'll look back on that. And people that didn't live through it will think 6.5% inflation. Okay, big, big, big whoop. Okay, it was up a little bit. Big, big deal. I mean, it was it was around nine percent at the middle of the year, mm-hmm. and it looked like it, there was no end in sight. And so, six and a half percent, you might say, okay, that's fine. So, as the Fed begins to slow down their their interest rate increases, the question will be, Josh, you mentioned, well, that might be a signal that the choppiness is over, bottom might be forming. Yeah, but then we've got to see, well, what condition is the economy? Mm-hmm. Is the economy in a deep recession or is it still questionable? And I think that is likely to to influence the market and where things go. And it's incredibly confusing because Jamie Dimon um, came out a few months ago and said there's a, a looming economic hurricane. And then he just came out and said, actually, the consumer is strong. Um, and you, so you say, well, what data, not data, do you look at to see I, I, there's evidence that the consumer is strong? And I'm, I'm just looking at what is on people's credit cards. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it is suggesting that, that the consumer is struggling to pay all of their bills all on right. time. So you think we see a recession? Josh already thinks we're in one. Mm-hmm. In a way, yeah, Kevin. I think we're in one. Yep. Uh, you think we retest the lows? So, he, so here's how the the market uh, hit lows in June, and then it rebounded off of those about seventeen percent, and then sort of retested those lows, got a little bit lower than that in October, and then we've bounced off of that. Uh, you guys think I, the, basically the prevailing opinion here is that we retest those lows. The, it, it just when so when you look at forecasters. <coughs> Everyone was wrong for 2022. When you and I, we did a show uh, about what people were forecasting for 2022 because it was it seemed crazy with valuations being so high that big Wall Street firms were still expecting an eight or ten percent increase in 2022. Everyone was dead wrong. Okay, no one was expecting that that level of drop. So now, well, what are they forecasting for 2023? Everyone's forecasting that it's going to be a challenging year. Everyone. So. What do you guys think? You think we retest these lows? You know, I I try to not be a predictor of the future, but I I very much try to educate clients on the past. 
What has history shown us? And when you look back on the more than a dozen bear markets, and a bear market is when the stock market falls 20% or more, but it usually keeps on falling you know, past that point. The average since the Great Depression, and including the Great Depression, has been down 41%. Mm-hmm. And so to be down 25% means we may not be fully home yet. Uh, to to fully bottom out if this just turns out to be an average bear market. Mm-hmm. So I'm hearing, yeah, it, I we're we're not in the forecasting game. You guys know I'm I'm sort of prodding these guys. We no one can predict the future. And and here's how you blow it up. Did anyone predict COVID? Nope. Then no one can predict the future. I mean, there there it is. But history does tell us something. And there's a little bit more to the story because. What does history say after a negative year? What's history say in third year of a president's uh, term? So we've got that and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. All of Wall Street got it wrong last year forecasting. Guess what? They do every single year. Uh, what's ahead for the markets in 2023? And if no one's crystal ball is working perfectly, what's likely to drive it? Are we past the worst of it? Ah, we're hitting all that and more. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the Wise in the Wise Money Studio, KFG Studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast. Wherever you listen, go check us out and subscribe to the show and rate the show there. We appreciate that. So we're talking about the markets. What happened last year? What's likely ahead this year? I was prodding about forecasts. So what is uh, one of my favorite Warren Buffett quotes is, um, forecasts tell you a lot about the forecaster. They tell you very little about the future, yeah. which is true. We, we, we know that. The oracle of Omaha, that's what he says. I Do you think he agree. has someone who just comes up with these oh, he's amazing got a sayings? He's got a writer. There's no he's question. He's got a content department. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, so uh, so likely choppiness ahead. I think I, I would agree that just the simple fact that this has seemed above average as far as chaos and the market declines haven't yet been average makes me think there will probably retest lows with one very, very thick silver lining. Everyone is projecting that the market's going to struggle this year and the market at all times tries to prove as many people wrong as possible. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so none of us should be surprised if we retest lows because that's what history tells us. But also none of us should be surprised or positioned that like to, to fail if the market advances here. Kevin, Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts? This is what I think, Mike. I think if a forecast tells you more about the forecaster than the actual forecast itself, I should just tell you about myself. <laughs> okay, there I you like go. Long walks on the beach. I like to smell freshly opened coffee. I like, <laughs> do, do you want me to keep going? Sure. No. So I, here's here's what my forecast is. I I forecast that this will be the best year in history to lean into your financial plan. This will be the best year. You're playing the Secure Act 2.0 card. Really? No, I no. I'm telling you, this will be the best year, because in times of uncertainty, seek wisdom. Who, who among us that are talking right now or who's listening has any control over the stock market? Now I know we're talking about what we think it will do and prognosticating. That's fine, but I, as I as even as I'm sitting here, I'm holding on to hope, and my hope is not in 
money or finances or anything like that. But my hope is that I will gain better, greater control over the things I have control over. So let's talk about something I have absolutely no control over. One is the Fed. The Fed who came out and said inflation is transitory until they said it wasn't. And so you, you can't, I mean, you listen to all these people who say uh, this is this is true until they say this is not true. They've been wrong all along, and they finally came out sort of at the end of 2022 and said a soft landing is going to be pretty hard to accomplish. Maybe they're wrong about that. I don't, I don't know. They've been know, wrong so, all along. Right, so you don't know. So I, I know this. The, the, what the performance of the stock market is going to be – uh, very interested in what happens to interest rates and the Fed, if they raise interest rates, and again, this is just the the rate at which banks lend each other money overnight. Overnight, but it affects almost every other interest rate out there. And right now, here's if I'm reading the tea leaves, and this is where the prediction would come in. The the yield curve is more inverted than it's ever been before. So typically, what um, banks like to do is borrow money on one end of the curve and lend it out at rates similar to the other end of the curve. So there's there's a spread there where they can make money. And right now, that's inverted. And every time in history that that's been inverted, that's been the warning construction ahead sign yeah, right. for the stock market. So I look at that, and it wouldn't surprise me if the stock market was down another um, ten to twenty percent mid-year at some point in their year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you, if you take this and just overlay it, because the 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 high was October nine of '07 and the low was March nine of two thousand nine. So it was about a year and a half. So if you say if that's any kind of predictor, although I don't, I don't, I don't think it is, but if it is, we we should we should bottom out sometime this summer. And to Josh's point that he made earlier, don't don't be careful about trying to catch the falling knife or to um, get in or get out at the right time because the market isn't going to make a – this is my prediction. It's not going to make a gradual turnaround. Yeah. It will be up 20 or 30% before anyone thinks, before the retail investor says – it's safe to go back in the water. Correct. It's yeah. safe to restart my systematic investment program. It's safe to fill in the blank. So it wouldn't surprise me if we saw uh, some some difficulties in in the stock market for six to twelve months yeah. before it bounces. And when it bounces, it's it's not going to. It's usually violent. It's quick. Yes. Yes. Right. Uh, you know, one of the things that we were leaving off in the last segment on was just kind of a little bit of historical perspective. And I'm glad, Kevin, that you're looking backwards as well to say, well, what what have we seen in the past? What can we learn from it? That sort of thing. I can tell you that if you look back on the history of bear markets since the Great Depression, the average bear market lasts 20 months. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that that puts us just right on time with what you're saying, Kevin, mm-hmm. probably second half of the summer um, puts us right at 20, 20 months. Now, will this be average? Right. Will it be a little shorter than average? Will it be longer than average? Nobody knows. But uh, to me, the reason to look back on history is just to have enough perspective 
so that we can have reasonable expectations. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people are going to be like hunkered down and afraid to invest because last year felt like it clobbered them. And Mm -hmm. they're, they're hearing people say that this year could be rough as well. No, like I, I love what you're you're saying about focus on the things that you have control over. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you have control over is your savings pattern. That's right. Not your savings timing or your investment timing. You're not going to find the exact date that the bottom mark uh, uh, drops and and is completely hit hit bottom. It's been in place and everything. You're gonna you're gonna maybe be lucky to uh, get some dollars invested there by just continuing to contribute to your 401k or set up a monthly automatic contribution into your Roth IRA. Do the things that will be systematic and steady because over time, I I personally do believe that the first half of this year ahead, I I expect it to be rough. I hope I'm wrong, but I expect it to be rough. And that's the wonderful time to be investing more into your long-term investments, mm-hmm. right? So if you need some sort of a billboard or a sign saying now's the time to lean into your investments and and focus on your long-term game plan, utilizing the stock market to give you growth potential, now's the time to keep on trickling, maybe even increase your contributions. One of the beautiful things that happened at the start of this year is you're allowed to save more into your retirement plans than ever before. You've got bigger buckets, you've got more money that you can contribute, but it takes some courage and some historical perspective to say, I'm not just throwing money down the drain here, I'm actually buying in at reasonable prices, maybe even wonderful bargain prices, I need to stay the course. That's the, and we're not yet to action items, hopefully they're filtered throughout the the program, but that's the top one on my list as well. Make sure that you recalibrate your contributions and that you're still contributing into growth investment, stock investments in the midst of this volatility. Now, what else is history telling us? There's a couple things that we're entering into right now. Number one, 2023 is a year after the year was negative in the market. What's history tell us about that? Pretty good. Pretty good, actually. The odds are pretty overwhelming that when you look at the overall performance in in the stock market for the entire year after a negative year, it's positive. Even in 09, that's after 08, 09 was awful to in the first quarter, and then it just surged and the whole year was positive. And so history uh, is, is optimistic, uh, let's say. The other thing is in the presidential cycle, which gets a little more attention at certain times. We're in the third year of this presidential term. All years are on average positive for presidential terms, but the third is overwhelmingly the most positive historically. So there's a little bit of optimism there as well. And I want to ask the guys about the bond market because it's been so volatile. We think, do we think that's behind us? We're going to hit that. Then what's, you know, is, 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 gold as attractive as people are making it out to be what other changes should you make we've got all of that ahead here on the wise money show so we've got that more coming up on the wise money show with corhorn financial group this is wise money with corhorn financial group is now a good time to be investing in gold lots of volatility gold appears to be doing okay and you've got tons of people trying to quote unquote, sell it. So it's now a good time. We're going to talk about that and more. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. 
My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of The Wise Money Show is on the YouTube channel, uh, plus a lot of other content. It, Secure Act 2.0 changed the entire world of financial planning. Your financial decisions, your financial plan will change in meaningful ways because of the Secure Act 2.0. Haven't even done a show about it. Have done lots of content on the YouTube channel. We will be doing a show, uh, several of them, upcoming about those changes. So go to YouTube, search The Wise Money Show, subscribe to it there. We appreciate it. All right. We're about to get into action items for what you what changes you should make, if any, to your investments in the wake of such a challenging year in 2022. And most of us anticipating a choppiness to 2023 as well. But bonds sort of surprised everyone last year with just how painful it was. With that bond investments move opposite of interest rate. So as interest rates were going up, bond investments were going down. Guys, do we think do you think that that we've seen the worst in the bond market? I don't think so. I and I could be totally wrong. Um I I, I if here's the thing, is the is the Fed gonna do what they say they're gonna do? If they do and um Jay Powell has come out with some very hawkish comments here recently. I'm like, well, so is he going to follow through on that or not? And um, this is, I would not, I would not want to be the head coach of a college football team. Uh, <laughs> nope. N- not at Notre Dame or really anywhere else. And I wouldn't want to be the chairman of the Fed. Uh, there's there's no, you are pleasing no one. Yeah. <laughs> there's There's two sides and both sides are confident that you're wrong. Here's the interesting thing. The last time we saw, and monetary policy has changed significantly, but the last time we saw runaway inflation and some policy errors was late 70s, early 80s. And most people think, oh, yeah, inflation got really bad and the stock market you know, got bad and the bond market got bad and now it, we, we went past it. Nope, nope, guys. It, inflation went up, it came down. Then it went back up and it came down and then went up a little bit again and then came back down. And so did the market. The market strung together two recessions within just a short period of time, two bear markets in, in a short period of time. The last time we went through all of this, there was a double top. And so I'm I'm holding out uh, some sort of expectation that, yeah, well, we might not have seen the last of inflation and therefore might not have seen the last of interest rate increases. Yeah, that's exactly right. And part of that is because of modern um, economic uh, theory and and monetary theory and everything it it really boils down to the Fed uh, trying to to maybe even over control what what direction the economy is going and and uh, what it feels like uh, how how much um, choppiness are we all experiencing on this plane ride with them and um, I, to me I I wouldn't be surprised as well if uh, maybe things calm down for a while and then they uh, start to maybe stimulate the economy again because we're officially in a recession and people are crying out for, hey, turn this thing around, that, that sort of thing. And, and maybe they let the inflation monster loose uh, yet again. That, I mean, that's essentially what happened in the late 70s and 80s, as you're describing. And that was the last time that interest rates got up to a, a peak, right? right? And they've been, for, for essentially our entire lifetimes, Mike, uh, interest rates have been slowly sliding, which means it's created a tailwind for bond investors. And so if you've been investing in bonds for the past four decades, 
all you've really known are positive times yes. until 2022. And, and all of a sudden, it's like we ran into a brick wall and we realized, oh my goodness, these safe investments are not always safe if we're in a rising interest rate environment. Yeah. So who knows? How, how long is the Fed going to continue to raise interest rates? Um, I, I assume that they will start slowing down here in 2023, but that doesn't mean they're done forever. That, the market right? actually thinks they're going to be lowering interest rates later in 2023, mm-hmm. which suggests recession. Right. right. I mean, it is so fascinating if you take a step back and look, because uh, one, when the pandemic hit and everything, we had the, those 15 days to slow the spread. And the, the, the Fed, um, the government decided to throw $6 trillion, think of that as gasoline, onto the fire. And so now they're throwing water onto the fire. And so it's like, well, okay, so this is all they seem to be able to do is is use these blunt tools to do these these certain things. And the question is, is will water will, will the water, which is increasing interest rates, will that dampen the fire? Will it slow it down? Will it put it out? Or is it a grease fire? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, throughout history, there have been critics of this approach to the Fed getting involved and kind of um, intervening too much because the the criticism is that it creates like false signals for mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. It makes them feel like things are roaring along. And so it's safe to go borrow money. It's safe to extend yourself a little bit more. It's safe to throw uh, money into maybe kind of sketchy uh, investment ideas or projects and things like that. And it, it creates errors um, in, in our lives. And so because this is a show about financial planning, I think mm-hmm. it's important that you have a game plan for your financial life that is not focused on the Fed and what they're going to do next, mm-hmm. right? If you have debt in your life, it is a good thing to be eliminating that risk and that obligation to your cash flow. If you are saving for long-term investments, it is good to stay the course and to keep on contributing steadily over time, even when the market is volatile. And I would actually say, especially when the market is volatile, because you are going to get better buying opportunities when you stay the course like that. But the point is, you can't be a predictor of what is coming next. You have to be focused on the long term and your unique financial plan. Let that be what governs what the wise action is for you next. Uh, I, I completely agree. And the other action item that I would add in there is make sure you're taking the right level of risk in your investments, owning multiple strategies to help manage the diversification challenges, and make sure that you're not taking too much risk or too little risk for your overall financial plan. Work with your CFP on that. All right, I, we got to get to this question here. Friend, uh, a fan of the show, Ed asked, my retirement plan at work just switched from a simple IRA to a 401k. I keep hearing advertisements about why, why I need to buy gold and own the physical metal. In fact, people tell me that gold always goes up, so I didn't make sure that I own it in my portfolio. My questions are, should I invest in gold, and is there a way to buy the physical metal in my 401k? So I don't know the answer to the very last part. I don't think so. And so when you listen um, to these advertisements, these advertisements give you FOMO, fear Hmm. of missing out. Like the entire world is buying gold, and owning gold, and I don't own any. <laughs> and I look at that and I say, well, gold is for what? Well, it's for the zombie apocalypse. Well, I don't know. I don't know that gold's going to help you. 
<laughs> um, I don't know that gold's going to help you um, fight against the robots that Boston Scientific has made that can fight like soldiers. I mean, so when you say as an investment, as a pure investment, is gold a good idea? And I say, well, if you're going to own gold, to me, owning gold or silver makes sense to own the physical stuff itself because the gold market and the silver market have been incredibly manipulated. Just look at the the fines that JP Morgan Chase has paid for manipulating the metals markets. And just just Google it. It's yeah. it, it's all right there. And so if you think for a second that those fines those those fines are factored in as a cost of doing business to um, people who um, aren't doing wholesome things. You know, I, I personally think of gold more as a um, a diversifier in a portfolio. It's something that can move in different directions than the overall bond market or the stock market. But that means it can be struggling when the stock market is roaring, and it can be drifting higher when the stock market is falling as well. And so um, t- to me, to believe that it just always goes up in value I think is is clearly false that we can look back on history and find stretches of time where it is languishing. I mean, it is struggling. Yeah. Um, but sometimes those are the times to be purchasing and um, adding it to a portfolio in very small quantities just as a diversifier. Yep. More to unpack there. We'll probably hit that topic more. I don't see that one going away. But that is all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, all of us at Corhorn Financial Group. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Are you going to ask me for my forecast? Yes, I am. Were you forecasting whether I was going to ask you for I was predicting you would, but I... uh... (laughs) Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.